Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Nice and relaxed. Yeah, it was great. Like I hadn't traveled to Europe since I was a teenager. So when I knew I was going to take the work trip, I really wanted to take a week off vacation to actually do some real proper traveling since, you know, we've all been cooped up really for a bit. So mm, it, was, mm. it was great. Yeah. So you want to tell us a bit of what you found? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I guess the, uh, I guess the first part is that I can officially call myself a hybrid worker now. Um, I guess this isn't the first work trip I've had. It's the second, but it was more of a like team offsite kind of a deal. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas my other my other trip had been more of an event. So it was nice to actually be in that office with people out, you know, from around the world who I hadn't had a chance to meet yet. So I guess there is something to that in-person time. And I think the how quickly you get to know people when you're doing that sort of thing is very nice. So I guess that's observation number one. And then observation number two is that just Ireland is is stunning. It's terrifying to drive there, but there's so much natural beauty. So we kind of started in the south and then went up the west side and then kind of around to Dublin. So we saw, you know, we were in some of the bigger cities and then a lot of the cool, like, touristy, but really worthwhile natural views and then a lot of like the really ancient history stuff some forts and we went to new grange you know seeing those sites from 3000 5000 years ago is super cool yeah it's frightening when you think about how old some of the things are in this neck of the woods and then how young america is you know 300 we have nothing <laughs> it's funny we got back and there's like a like a wine castle or something. I don't remember what it's called, but I'm like, look, we have castles too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, um, I haven't, we haven't been to Ireland yet, but it's on the list. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've heard good things about it. And I, did you, did you have a Guinness in, um, in Dublin? I did. I had several Guinnesses throughout the trip, but we did do the, the Guinness tour of their, their storefront. So, um, which ends, which is, I don't know, the tour was kind of so-so, but you basically pay so you can have an overpriced Guinness and get a good view of Dublin from the roof of their building. So was that fresh, the, was it, fresh Guinness. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, was that the, the, there's a, there's a pub that you're supposed to go to. It's got four floors. Yeah. Was it that one? Yeah. Yeah. Now that if, if I was talking to some guys on the weekend and they were saying that that's, that's where if you just go, you can end up with you two playing there or someone else without, any sort of um, promo, they just will rock up and play. Um, so you can get some really good bands there just randomly on a Saturday night. Well, now I feel like we missed out. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how often that happens, but we've been there for six years, and they, they said it happened, you know, a couple of times, like a dozen times. It would be very cool. No, it was just a, a nice, nice view of the city, pretty popular spot, but um, – I guess it's fun. If you've done like a brewery tour before, you mm. can know the process of making beer. I feel like it's kind of old news, but if that yeah. 
if you haven't done that before, the Guinness one is obviously a pretty big and cool version of that. So, yeah, I mean, I've done, um, we did Heineken in Amsterdam and I've done the South African one, which is South African breweries, which is now um, AB and Bev, I think. The only difference that I could tell you there is that the, the South African operation is massive. It made the Heineken one look tiny, but it's, you know, there's 20, 30 beers that they, they brew. So it's just, you know, versus one, <laughs> you know, um, and, and then it's just the history of the location that'll be different. You know, how they got to to creating that beer there is always that that to me is always the interesting part, like how, how that thing was built up. But uh, yeah, I think one interesting thing is just how influential the Guinness family was in the area, like the uh, reconstruction or rebuilding of St. Patrick's church. That was like oh, really? the Guinness family. Yeah. I mean, they had, you know, a lot of wealth, uh, especially during that time period. So they really, I guess, did were in, you know, involved in a lot of the, Oh, that's uh, good. I mean, we have to get Dublin. so we'll definitely do that. Cool. So you're glad to be home. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to not live out of a suitcase, but it's also nice to be on vacation. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good. We're good. So what have you been up to? Um, I'm trying to think when we last spoke. Did did I talk you through my electric car experience? I don't think so. No, so so I think I've talked you through kazoo. So we've had this kazoo experience where the car we got, which we finally liked, was a Land Rover, and the engine ate itself after about a month of having it. So we were given a, we had to fight for a courtesy car, got a courtesy car that was the right size, et cetera. But because Kazoo is going through some financial difficulties, they've sort of stopped the subscription service. So they, they don't have as big a stock as they did when we started. So we were going through literally a period of trying to see what car they could give us. And we have one a specific size, you know, two kids, brands, you know, people flying in, that kind of stuff. So we we're looking for a seven seater. And um, they didn't really have any stock or anything that we liked. So the closest thing they could come up with was an electric uh, BMW X3 or iX3. So we said, well, okay, we'll give that a go. And of course, our driver's license had expired. We didn't know that. So we had to wait for our driver's licenses to be renewed. So we had to wait a bit longer. Anyway, so we got the, the X3 now. Being electric, you can charge it. You obviously need. You, you can obviously put in a charging point, but I didn't know this. You can actually plug it in directly to a wall socket in your house, um, which we did through our kitchen window. Uh, the only challenge with that is when it gets cold, obviously your window's open, uh, and it takes all night to charge the car. So you're kind of in this quandary of, uh, do I charge the car overnight or do I leave it charged into the day? Like, what do I do? You know. So we we played all those sort of scenarios. Anyway, the car the car was very nice very sophisticated i was actually quite impressed at some of the technology in there but some of the technology just you know I, I, we've got another car now we're, we're the same problem but some of the stuff that you'd expect to be normal like standard is not there so so i so for me something that's normal that should always be there is keyless entry you shouldn't have to take out your keys to open the car if they're in your pocket you should just walk up open the door and get in none of these cars have this um now the skadonk old car, Skodonk is a slang for old, um, like Jalopy, that we had, which was a, a Santa Fe, had all these things. So it's not like it's a, you know, a difficult thing to do. It's just 
you know, a decision that's made. So, and, you know, it makes it, to me, it makes the car experience frustrating, especially when you're holding kids and you're trying to get them in the car. And now you've got to find the keys to open the door or you want to get stuff in the boot. And it doesn't even find... have a keypad. You have to use the physical Oh, key. no, no, no. It's, it's, got a, it's got a, you know, a remote, but the remote oh, is in yeah. the pocket. And, and, you know, you've got to find the keys because they could be in any pocket because, you know, you put them in your pocket because you've whatever. Because a keyless start and stop, so you don't have the keys in the ignition. you just got... They're in your pocket, wherever they are. So that's one one challenge. Anyway, so the electric car, really nice. Um, I couldn't believe how, because the batteries are in the middle of the car, how it changes the handling experience of driving a car. Uh, I mean, this is not a small car. I mean, it's a small car compared to what we normally have, but it's still a big car. And it drives like a go-kart. Like, mm. you know, you're driving, you know, you're taking corners. You're not even tilting. Because this car's the center of gravity is just so well balanced because of the batteries, um, and then you know the technology inside is pretty good. You know it's got CarPlay, you know CarPlay over Bluetooth, which I think should be a standard as well. Um, that experience is quite good. The the sort of BMW navigation experience for me is, and it's the same as the Merc one. It's just unintuitive. It's like these guys don't under, like they don't work with the stuff when they design it. They just come up with an idea, like a developer built it, and that's what they put out. It's just the weirdest thing. So that that was, you know, so I, I was defaulting to CarPlay. And I was finding it quite cool because with CarPlay, you can start using the Apple shortcuts. So I was doing some stuff where if I plug in, you know, works in all the cars now. So if I plug in, it'll ask me if I'm, if I'm alone or I've got people with me. And if I've got people with me, it doesn't do anything. But if I'm alone, it just puts on the podcast and carries on. So that, you know, that just saves me like, you know, five seconds or, or whatever of, of going around and, and doing that. And then you can obviously save all your stuff into Apple Maps or Waze or whatever you're using for your navigation, um, which in that respect, the navigation systems are pretty much the same, um, pound for pound. Anyway, so we, we had an electric car, really liked it. Um, my wife got a, got a fine for parking in a charging bay without charging, which we didn't, we didn't, we didn't know about. Um, although there are signs everywhere, but there weren't signs in the bay that we were at, which is quite funny. So my 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 savings um, for having an electric car were were um, surpassed by my fine for parking in the, the electric bay, which is twenty five pounds. Um, would have been fifty if I didn't pay it in fourteen days. And they didn't take my excitement of having an electric car as a reason to to ignore the sign or miss the sign as an excuse. But other than that, you know, really nice car. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that I found with driving electric is you get into a new kind of anxiety, which is, is this car charged or not? Mm-hmm. Like, as, you know, as it, as it goes down, 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 you know, the battery's charging down. You're like, well, you know, my gym is like a 10. I mean, that's why I was a bit late now. My gym's not that far away. It's a 10-minute drive. But, like, I was getting nervous at a 75% charge because there's no charging points there because you kind of get in this thing, like, everywhere I go, I've got to charge. Um, much the same way as you get used to get with your iPhone because your iPhone would only last like eight hours. Like everywhere you go, you got to plug it in. Because you don't plug it in, you know. But now now that it lasts, you know, 23 hours, 24 hours, depending on how you use it, you're not so stressed about it. It's only when it starts going into yellow mode that you're like, oh, okay, now I need to charge it. So that was an anxiety. It took a while to – we had the car for about a month. So it took a while to get get rid of that um, thing. My kids loved it. I mean, they they would like – everywhere we go, my son's like, oh, electric car, electric car. We must have electric car. So now he's had one. Now he wants to, to get another one. Unfortunately, they don't make a seven-seater electric car yet. Um, or at least one that we haven't seen that, that 
you know, on our subscription. So that that we'll look for. But um, besides that, I mean, it was a really nice experience. You know, you go to a shopping mall, you plug in. Yes, you're still paying for parking, but I mean, I got my bill for parking a couple times and charging. Um, and okay, look, we weren't charging from zero to to full, but we were charging up, you know, ten percent, fifteen percent. It was like three pounds. That was my whole mm-hmm. charging bill. I was like, well, that was that's awesome. Um, of course, my electrical bill, my electrical bill's gone up at home, but I was kind of enjoying the fact that I didn't have to go to a petrol station to charge to put in fuel. So whatever I was spending on fuel at a petrol station would be going into my household uh, electrical bill, and that kind of kind of was nice. So so I liked it from that point of view. Um, and it actually led me into conversations with um, Joanna, who we've done an episode now uh, that you're going to put together for us, um, and another guy, Dan, called, uh, from My Money Tree, which is working out what your carbon carbon emissions are. Because in doing this, I was kind of looking at going, well, I've got solar panels, so if I charge the car during the day, in theory, it's not costing as much to charge it from a carbon point of view or from a financial point of view. Okay, bear in mind we're going into winter now, so the sun's not going to be there as much. But in theory, it should have been a better cost-benefit, which, I, I mean, I've done no numbers on this. I, you know, it's just my my sort of theoretical feeling on it. Um, but anyway, the car was too small for us, so we had to give it back. And now we're driving a, a diesel again. And I must admit, I'm missing the electric car. It was just, a, you know, and BMW drive experience is, is, is always a good one. But I, I'm missing the, the coming home, just plugging it in. It's a weird thing, but that was like part of my routine, just to come home and plug the car in and then not worry about having to, to go to the petrol station at some point during the week to fill the car up. Yeah. So do you think, so if you've got an electric car, is your only option really to route it through the window to charge at home? No, you get electric, electric points through the window, uh, through the wall. Um, so so what I was, what I'm, I'm just waiting for an electrician to come by, give me a quote to do it. So we've got our, you know, two of our neighbours have got points outside their house which are just outdoor plugs, yeah, really. and, and you just plug it in there. Or you can actually get the proper unit, which you plug your um, charging cable into, or you get a permanent cable that you – because it's I don't think it's a universal – I think it's a universal adapter. I can't remember now. Um, but something along those lines, which um, makes it a bit easier. Because uh, obviously during winter, you don't have your, your kitchen window open. Yeah. I think – from what I like, the videos I've watched on this kind of thing, I think they're all universal except for Tesla. Tesla's oh, done yeah. their, <laughs> their own. Yeah, there's probably. like an adapter you can get, but yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, then, and the thing is, like we, like I really wanted to take it on a long drive, but but as I say, the anxiety of of charging, and I mean, we we shouldn't have the anxiety. I mean, there's plenty of charging points around and then you sort of get to know get to know some people that are driving electric cars and they tell you all the tricks like if you go park at the supermarket it's free between this time and this time to charge and like wow i didn't even know that you know and, and um then you look at certain shopping malls like which bays are always open and which bays are always busy um and that was funny the, the one thing that i struggled with the bmw app is i went to so our local shopping malls got a charging st- station and there's about six of them in a row but it doesn't tell you in the app which which machine you're going to use so what happens you you basically reverse up you've got a, a pylon there you're supposed to go and plug your cable into the pylon there'll be you know one two connections one for the left side one for the right side you're supposed to plug it in then go plug it into your car and then tell that pylon that you are charging but in the app there's no way to tell you which pylon you've plugged into 
because there's no identifier on the pylon. So, so I had to literally walk up and down the pylon, turn, pressing charge now and seeing which screen changed to see which one was my, um, which one I was at. And then I could plug in. And then once I knew which one that was, and I only went to that one because I wasn't going to play that game again. So it's little usability things that, that obviously are not, not completely sorted out. But generally, I would, you know, I think it's a good way to go, especially if you can get solar panels all over the place and you're charging for free. Uh, yeah. from the sun it makes all the sense in the world so did you find when you had to charge did you were you waiting long and did the car have any like games or how did you use the time when you when oh, you no, had well, to charge or well, did you go I mean, shop yeah i always go shop i mean that's that you know you get a i mean that, that so that parking you're going to pay for parking anyway so all we do is we just go and park there you know like we normally would you know go do the, the activity you have to come back and come back and, and just go you almost don't care if it hasn't charged to full because you've just given it 20 minutes, 40 minutes of charge time. And then you, and, and the apps are quite good. They'll tell you that you've, you, you've, you've got uh, an ETA of being fully charged by one fifteen or two o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. So when I would plug it in at home, it would say to me, okay, you know, from this state, it'll be fully charged by two thirty AM. And that's great. And, and then you can also set schedules. You know, you can say don't don't charge between this time and this time if you were worried about you know different rates or of electricity. So if we if we had it as a an outdoor plug, then I would probably only charge during the day. But because we didn't have an outdoor plug and I had to put it through the window, I would only do it at night because um, I didn't want to leave the cable lying around during the day. I mean, the other thing that that's interesting is that when you when you're charging it and it's giving that that ETA. You can tell it to to cancel to to stop charging from the app, or you can tell it to carry on charging from the app. And and there's not a not like, not like a burst mode, but you can just tell it to stop. So when you get there, you don't have to worry about you um, disrupting the charge. If that makes any sense. So yeah, I mean, in that sense, got quite a cool experience. And one of the things I really liked about it is you could tell the car to be ready in the morning. So if you told it seven a.m. every morning you want it to be ready, it'll be warmed up and ready oh. to go at seven o'clock. So you get in the, I mean, we had a cold snap. It was sort of four degrees. You come outside, the windows are clear, the, the car's warm. Hasn't started, but then you get. But the, the, the thing that, that we struggled with, which which is normal, is there's no noise. So you turn the car on, it makes a noise, like, and it's on, but there's no engine noise. So you've got to, like, remember you've now turned the car on. Mm. Um, and then it takes, it's very sensitive, you know, the, the acceleration on us, you know, because it's direct drive. You don't have that lag. It's just go and and that's something to to bear in mind but uh, yeah it was a good experience yeah sounds fun sounds like you need an electric car whenever they have the right yeah, uh, so, specs for you so, so i fear at the moment and we'll see how things play out is is we'll keep the diesel car for a bit and we'll get a little we'll get a little electric car and i'm thinking about getting in a little electric car and i'm not going to say the name because it's the only one that does this but it's the one that you can plug in and you can also use it as a battery for your house. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be useful in the future. Yeah, especially if you have the solar panels. Yeah, well, system. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean we're, we're talking about rolling blackouts here in the UK in, in, in winter now. Um, very much like uh, South Africa goes through, load shedding. So um, it makes sense to have some sort of battery pack. Yeah. Yeah, we ha- we're listening. When we were in Ireland, we had the just the news radio on all the time. And there was a lot of talk about the uh, 
what was happening in uh, the UK with the, you know, all the concerns about power over the winter and energy and all of that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's look, it's it's a natural problem. You know, everything we use uses electricity, and you know, carbon burning mechanisms are just never going to keep up. You need something more efficient, and and I think nuclear for now and solar are your really your best two options. And when I say solar, I mean, you know, any of the the the, the wind, uh, natural element type, uh, geothermal, all those sorts of things, are the way to go. I was actually reading a very interesting article about using solar satellites, where they collect the solar out in space and they use lasers to send the energy down. Uh, the EU space agency wants to research it. I mean. It sounds very science fiction, um, but maybe it'll work. Maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. Yeah, more more reliable control for that, I guess. Yeah. 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 Actually, um, one thing I learned at the Titanic Museum, we went to Belfast, was oh, um, cool, yeah. the shipmakers are now, that, that company is now in renewables, so they make uh, wind turbines. That's what they oh, do yeah. now. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, I didn't even know they were still around. I thought they would have gone bang with with the sinking of Titanic. They made it through that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, good for them. Alrighty. Well, good to be back. Glad you had some fun with your electric car. And I don't know. Should we just wrap it there for today? Yeah, we can. Cool. Alrighty. Catch you later. Okay. See ya. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.